Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Exorga Deus Dispentor de Nemici Eus, et Fugiancio Derenteum Apache Eus. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. <clears throat> I don't know that everybody's aware of how much we'd actually have to dig ourselves out of in order to be able to begin to set things right. And that's a little bit disconcerting to me because I hear a lot of people talking about, oh, just wait until this, that, and the other, or if they try this, that, and the third, then. And I got to be honest with you, I don't honestly think that's going to happen. I think things are going to turn out significantly different than the way everybody's expecting. And while I can't wrap every little bit of it up, <clears throat> the fact is we're in so deep that for us to dig ourselves out in a natural way is going to be so absolutely horrifying that I don't think a lot of people really understand what, what's coming. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diabli est opraesidium. Imperatili Deus, supplicas de pecamur, tu que princeps militae calestis, satana malios, que spiritus malignos, que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum net rude. Amen. Coriesus sacratissimum miserere nobis. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus cara lucidoma Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salmi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est, in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. In the United States, I think it's actually important that we take stock of exactly where it is that we are so that everybody understands exactly how much we have to undo 
how much has to be actually undone, what things need to be accounted for, and the sort of uh, the sort of crimes that need retributive justice so that we can fully understand exactly what it is that's on our plate. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think a lot of people really fully understand. A lot of people have partial images. And they do. It's a partial image. But we have this tendency, um, and I think part of it has to do with the nature of the high-speed media, where everybody knows what's going on day after day after day, um, and it's easy to forget that all of these pieces actually interlink to make an entire tapestry, a whole puzzle, an entire image of what's actually going on. And we're not talking about something that's easy to just kind of take care of here and there and there. So let's start with the obvious. Most of us are aware that Joe Biden and his entire family are corrupt to the level of treasonous bribery. We know this. And I use the word treasonous bribery because historically, prior to about, I don't know, three weeks ago, when you talked about bribery, it was understood that betrayal was involved and treason was involved. And when you're talking about the bribery of an American president, then you're talking about the American president betraying his entire nation. And that is treason. And that's one of the reasons why treason and bribery are in the Constitution as reasons that you can impeach a president. So we're going to start with that obvious one. Clearly, the president must be removed from office in order, so, in order that he stops doing the damage that he has been doing with his corruption. In order that the betrayal that he has committed against his country stops. But, and the reason we started there is because he's not alone. You want to know why a lot of the people were just silent about it? Well, everybody who was silent about it... Now, to be sure, some of the people were silent about it because they weren't really paying that close attention because they had other things on their mind. But that is not the case for the vast majority of Congress, the House or the Senate, because all of them, to some degree or another, are corrupt. All of them are beholden to donors because all of them would not have made it without their donors. A couple of them, their donors are actually legions and legions of American citizens who believe in the cause. But for the vast majority of the 437 people in the House and the five, excuse me, and the 100 people in the Senate and all of the people actually that surround them in the government, in the various supplemental offices like chiefs of staff and stuff like that, all of them are beholden to people that are not their constituents in their state. Every last one of them. If you look in the book Secret Empires by Peter Schweizer, that came out, I think, four or five years ago, he actually talks about how there's a, there was a congressman at the time, I don't know if it's still the case, I haven't checked, but there was a congressman at the time by the way, Montana only ha actually has one congressman, but there was a congressman at the time, or at the time they only did, that was on the payroll of the Mongolian government. The Mongolian government. Now, did we hear anything out of him when suddenly all these revelations are... I assume it's a him. I haven't actually checked. Um, truth be told, I've, given, I've actually so given up on it 
that on occasion I'll, you know, find out who it is and I don't bother remembering their name because in a few years it's not going to matter. It really isn't. But if you've got some congressman in Montana who's like, oh yeah, I'll take money from Mongolia, what does that account for? And you weren't going to get it from any of the big names, you know, the Lindsey Grahams, the John McCains, Lindsey Graham, who's on the take from Ukraine, Lindsey Graham, who's on the take from Raytheon, Lindsey Graham, who's on the take from all, from part of the reason why he's never seen a war he didn't want to get involved in is because he's on the take for all the interested parties in those wars. You're like, well, you know, but lobbying is legal. Yeah, okay, sure. But if you're receiving money from lobbyists, it doesn't really matter. Oh, it's declared, this, that, and the other. Part of the reason why it was supposed to be public knowledge is so that people could understand when you're making said argument, oh, these are the people who are paying for your campaign. These are the people who are paying to keep you in office. These are the people who are providing you the lifestyle. And so these are the people that maybe if we don't agree with them, we should probably actually just vote against you. Doesn't really matter how much money you have. The whole point behind the Faro registration and all of these lobbying groups having to register is because it's supposed to be obvious to the American people who their representatives are actually representing. Who's providing the majority of the money? Now, the fact is, is that it should not be in any way, shape, or form anyone except for their constituents. So a congressman should not be receiving money from anyone outside his district. And if that were the case, then you would see a significantly different representation for the people in the House of Representatives because the people who would be donating to the campaign would be interested parties within the borders of the district who were actually interested in making sure that he gets in that he or she gets into place. But we don't do that, do we? And so I don't know the contributors to the campaigns for most of the senators. I know that Mitch McConnell is literally in bed with the Chinese because his wife does business for the Chinese and it's his wife, so he's literally in bed with her. I know Lindsey Graham is on the hook for the defense co- for the defense contractors, Boeing, Raytheon, etc. I know Nikki Haley the same. What people didn't want to know, and what they tried very hard to hide, was the fact that Joe Biden was on the hook for for Ukraine because he was using Ukraine as a money laundering facility for money that he wanted to take from you, send to Ukraine, and then have sent back to him so he had more money. And I know he's not the only one, because I'm pretty sure John McCain was in the same situation, and I'm pretty sure Mitch McConnell was to to a degree in the same situation. And all of these things that keep going on between Russia, Ukraine, and U.S. senators, and heads, and the State Department, and all that other crap, all of this, this whole thing is basically one very large money laundering machine, and the people who stay in, get in power, stay in power, and decide the policy for the United States are the ones who are actually the most corrupt. So if somebody gets a big microphone, you can pretty much assume that in some way, shape, or form, they're corrupt. And I'm sorry, Jim Jordan, while I have no evidence for this, the fact is, is that I suspect you're in the same boat. Same thing with Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and alls and pretty much everybody. The only ones who I'm reasonably certain are not, are the ones who are constantly going against all of that stuff and getting nowhere. So the Ron Pauls and the Rand Pauls. Rand Paul, who hasn't gotten anywhere. 
but has been very outspoken. And there, and I'll be honest, there are I have my doubts even about Rand Paul because while he is outspoken and he does hold true to something that does like you can kind of narrow his principles down and you know what he core what he believes in at his core because his message never changes changes. However, I'm also not convinced that he's not just you know <clears throat> um, controlled opposition. And that actually mostly has to do with the doubts that I have about the system, given the fact that I see the system operating the way it is. And for some strange reason, Rand Paul has managed to survive and not be destroyed. <coughs> now that can indicate that he is actually as principled as he believes he is, as he says he is, in which case, great. But it could also indicate that there's some degree of protection that's happening around him so that he can say those things and still manage to stay in office. And again, I'm not accusing him of any wrongdoing. It's just I trust him about as much as I trust every other member of Congress and every other senator and every other, and every other politician from, I don't know, <clears throat> a city street sweeper up. Now, why am I this jaded? Simple. I've seen the system and how it works. I've been through the legal system. I know how it works. And I know that everyone, and, and the principal thing is, is that I fully understand that what everybody believes the American justice system and the American legal system is, is definitively not what it actually is. And I'm thankful for people like Robert Barnes and Viva, and Viva Fry, David Fryheit, uh, Viva, Viva Barnes, uh, the, that team. <clears throat> I'm thankful for people like them. I'm thankful for Nick Ricada because they're going in and they're talking about these things and they're trying to get out to an audience that what you believe the legal system is, it isn't. That this is, you know, they're trying to show, <clears throat> excuse me, how the legal system actually works compared to the way we believe it works. But we still believe it works the way we believe. And that is not the case. Sooner we get off of that, the better. It'll be much better for us and everybody we know. Because we need to understand that judges are idiots. They're, in a lot of cases, they're elected officials or they're appointees. They're not appointed due to their morality. They're appointed due to whatever track record that they have. And they're, <clears throat> for the ones who are appointed, and the ones who are elected are just as bad as any senator, are just as bad as any congressman, are just as bad as any alderman or city councilman. They're just as bad. They took the money. They moved forward. It's just like the district attorneys and the state attorneys and the U.S. attorneys. It's all broken. All of it. It's as broken. <clears throat> you know those companies that come out and they're like, oh, tax masters, we'll help, we'll help get you out of paying all this money for in back taxes. Well, everybody who works there used to work for the IRS. And they realize that they can make more money not by trying to by trying to weasel your weasel their way of getting you out of having to pay the IRS, but they make more money in helping in helping you save money from in from unjust taxes, from unjust taxation, than they do if they actually just sit there in their little government bureaucrat office. But it's the same people. <clears throat> 
you just hired the snake to help protect the mice. Not a very smart thing to do. <clears throat> Speaking of taxes, do you know how many people understand fundamentally how, un how unjust income taxes are? but we haven't done anything about them. Oh, but it's in the Constitution. Oh, okay, cool. Well, income tax is unjust. <clears throat> One of the four sins that cries out to heaven for justice is the denial of a worker their fair wages. So I go to work for somebody and I make, say, I don't know, let's go back to 2008 or 2003. <clears throat> so it's 2003 and I, and I go to work, and I make $8 an hour. But the first $2 of every $8 goes to the government. <clears throat> if I work for eight hours a day, then the first two hours that I work of every day, I'm not working for me, I'm working for the government. I chose $8 an hour because it is actually evenly divisible. By the way, not because it's an actual, not because it's a living wage or whatever. It's literally because it was easy, easily divisible. The way the system is set up, the first two hours of everyone's workday is not theirs. <clears throat> so when I go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning, or 7.30, or I go to work at 6 o'clock, or 5 o'clock in the morning, or 8 o'clock in the morning, whatever, whatever the actual schedule is, I'm going to use my own schedule. When I go to work at 7 o'clock in the morning, I'm not actually making my own money until 9. So from 7 o'clock in the morning to 9 o'clock in the morning, I'm working for the government. Because the government is taking those two hours out of my pay. And they say, oh, well, this part's for taxes, and this part's for Social Security, and this part's for Medicare, and I don't care. I don't care. The fact is, is right off the jump, the first two, two and a half hours, by the way, when you add in Social Security and Medicare and all those other things, you actually push that barrier all the way to two and a half hours. So if I go to work at seven o'clock in the morning, I'm not making my own money until 9.30. And then from 9.30 until the end of my day, all of that money is mine. And if I work overtime, and I'm an out, if I'm an hourly employee, and I work overtime, as soon as I cross the threshold of 60 hours, now mind you, I put the extra 20 hours in because I'm making the extra money, time and a half, right? Well, the moment I cross the threshold of 60 hours, I go from losing the first 15 hours to losing the first 25 hours. And after, the, which means 25 hours, I worked Monday and probably Tuesday for nothing. Why do people have a case of the, oh, it looks like you have a case of the Mondays. Why do have pe people have a case of the Mondays? Because they know full well that the whole, that all of Monday is not theirs. That if you're working a five-day work week, a 40-hour week, Monday is not yours. At the rate of income, at the, in at the average income tax rate for the average middle-class person, Monday is not yours. You worked all of Monday to pay the government. And you probably work the first one or two hours of Tuesday to pay the government. Because the money 
for Monday is not yours. And why do I insist that it's Monday and not Friday? Because conceivably, I mean, it's the percentages are the same, right? Except that the government takes the money before you get paid. Because it's automatically deducted from your paycheck before you even get the paycheck. So you don't even have the capacity to give your first fruits to God if you happen to be a religious person. The money that you earn on Monday belong, is supposed to belong to God, at least half. So if you work from, so up until your lunch break, <clears throat> that money on Monday should be the money that you're, that you're willing to give to God, if everything is rightly ordered. Now, you know, either to the church, <clears throat> to the church or whatever, or like whatever. But the bottom line is the first, the tithe is supposed to go to God and it's supposed to be your first fruits and you can't give your first fruits because the whole day, Monday, doesn't belong to you. And depending on what bracket you sit in, it might be part of Tuesday. It might go through all of Tuesday. If you live in a state like New York, then you work from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, before you start making your own money. Because the tax rate between federal, between federal, state, and city for someone in, in New York City means that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, all of that goes to the state. Your efforts for the first three days of the week go to the state. They either go to the federal government, the state government, or the local government. But do you know who doesn't get the money? You. Thursday and Friday are literally the only days that you actually make, the, when you go to work, you actually get paid. And that is how it is in New York, New York City, in California, any place where they have onerous taxes, that's what it is. When they're taking your income, that's what they're doing. They're stripping your daily work of value. So you say, I wake up in the morning, I go to work, I wake up on Monday morning, I leave for work at seven o'clock, I start work at eight or whatever, freaking from <clears throat> working my standard nine to five, as it were, which actually is an eight to five because generally employers will give you an hour for lunch or they'll find some way. But ultimately, your day-to-day, your nine-to-five, boom, Monday, not yours. Tuesday, not yours. Wednesday, not yours. Thursday, you just started making money for yourself. That means you work in a high-tax state. You work as many as three out of five days, not for your own well-being, but to be robbed by the state. The effective tax rate in the city of New York is 55 is between 55 and 60% for the average middle class per, for the average middle class person. What should happen is there should be some semblance of overthrow. Instead, what happens? They get duped into voting for all the same people again and again and again. And yet they complain we're getting worked to death. We're not, I can't afford to live. Blah, blah. I can't, I couldn't afford to live on two days work. In a month, in a month, that means I've worked maybe eight to 10 days out of the month. Can you, if I'm only making my own money eight to 10 days, why would I not, why would I not just work eight to 10 days out of every month? The rest of it, the government can go pound sand. 
And if we were right thinking, that's exactly what we would do. Because by the way, and here's the thing that a lot of people don't understand. And I spent a lot of time saying, I spent a bit of time saying that one of the sins that cries out to heaven for justice is to deny a worker, his lab a laborer, his wages. <clears throat> so for three days out of every week, in places like New York and San Francisco, you're being denied your wages for three days out of every week. What does it mean to be a sin that cries out to heaven for justice? That is a sin worthy of death. That is actually, legitimately, a sin worthy of violent retribution. Why is that important? Because while there are a bunch of people who are thinking about violent retribution, they're not pointing all of that anger in the right, in the right direction. Some of that anger should be pointed at the person they see in the mirror every morning because they sign on to that exact same thing every single day. Now, I have always been significantly bothered by the concept of income tax and the idea that I would work for Monday and part of Tuesday to pay off people I don't know for a debt that I don't have because I didn't sign on for the debt. I didn't ask them to do the things that they're doing. In fact, explicitly, in the last 10 years, I have been explicitly against everything that they're doing. I have explicitly denied my consent to everything that they're doing, and they're doing it anyway. <clears throat> in the face of, any, like, in all honesty, in the face of true justice, all of the people that I have a problem with doing things outside of my consent would be dead. But when you run down that list, it turns out, well, among the people who are doing these things without my consent are all the morons who are continuing to vote for all of these asshats that are actually doing the things in the government. And this is an important thing to keep note of. That means everybody who has voted in favor of one of these morons to make one of these decisions that I actively do not consent to, which is at least 150 million people, all of them bear the culpability. All of them bear the sin. Let me rephrase. All of you bear the sin. Because I have been vocal about this for years. I have been active in my denial of consent. And you have done it anyway. And it doesn't matter if you voted for the orange man or you, vo or you voted for the dead man. It really doesn't. Or you voted for that, for that wicked witch in 2016. It doesn't matter. So you understand the breadth and scope of this. I, the actively disinterested party, the active party in denial, the active party, the one actively giving you my lack of consent, telling you, I do not consent. And you have done it anyway. These people have done it anyway. Everybody who cast the votes 
thinking that they could get better or worse or whatever or doing whatever it is that they wanted to do. All of you have done this, not just to me, but to people like me, because I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not the only one who actively does not give my consent. Who tells you flat out, do not do this. Flat out, do not consent. Flat out, I don't agree and I will not abide. And when you spread it out that far across 150 million people or however many, what was it, 74 million on in 2020, 74 million on the orange man side, and supposedly 81 million on the dead man side, <clears throat> the corpses side, the walking corpse, the zombie. <clears throat> That's 155 million people, supposedly. Now, do I think it was 155 million people? No. I think it was probably closer to 130 million, but that's 130 million out of 350 million. And that's not an insignificant number. And this is the important thing to keep in mind. That 130 to 150 million out of 350 million people is a large portion of the country that owe people like me who actively do not consent to any of this nonsense recompense. Under no circumstance, let me make this clear, under no circumstance did I believe that locking down any of the country during COVID was okay. Not for an hour. Oh, it's 15 days to slow the spread. Really? Because that seriously inconvenienced me, and I wasn't even actively working at the time. I was in school. Oh, well, we can go along with that. I didn't want to go along with that. I wanted to finish what I was doing. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wanted to actually get to where I could get into the workforce. But when I got into the workforce, you know what happened? The whole damn country was shut down and I couldn't get a job when I needed one. Because at the time, I was fresh out of school. You think I'm getting unemployment coming fresh out of school? For that whole year, I got $1,200. $1,200 to live on for that whole year for the one little COVID payment. The reason why I say that whole year is because the second payment, the other $600 or $800, didn't show up until the next year. And that wasn't done by the corpses supporters. That was done by the orange man supporters, the orange man and his supporters. Yes. Yes, it was all disinformation. Yes, we were all operating under false, <clears throat> under false pretenses because they were lying. I got it. I understand. But even if they weren't lying, even if it was absolutely true, do you honestly believe that a person like me or anyone else in my situation deserves to spend almost a whole year trying to live off of $1,200. A whole year. Is there at any point in your brain that that is okay? Because, there were, because I know that I wasn't the only one in that situation. And because I know I wasn't the only one in that situation, the fact is, is those of you who were in your relative whatever situations where you were laid off and this, that, and the other, you were getting unemployment because you were laid off or whatever the circumstance, the rest of you who were like, okay, I can deal with this, failed to understand that there were people who were going to manage to fall through the cracks and literally have to live a whole year on less than $2,000. Are there other circumstances? Yes, of course there are. Yes, of course there are. Obviously, I made it. And so clearly, I did not live just on the $1,200 there was a lot of charity from friends and family to help keep me going. Basically, everybody I knew picked up one new dependent that they didn't even, with the exception of my mother, who they didn't even have, have the decency to give birth to. And I thank God for that. Make no mistake about it. The fact that I made it, I give glory and honor to God for. So make no mistake about it. But this isn't about God managing to make sure everything was in place to take care of me. This is about the, this is about the participation by every single American who managed to put that in place. Everybody who voted for it put that in place. 
oh, but I voted for the other guy. Doesn't matter. It actually legitimately doesn't matter. Because when you run down the line, anybody who was not specifically running on the banning of abortion or specifically running on closing the board, like voting for the purpose of closing the borders, everybody else was voting for their own interest. Whatever that interest was, you were voting for your own interest. And not listening to people who were saying, this is a scam. And don't, and make no mistake about it, you have my sympathies. Because I went through what I went through, my eyes were opened to what was really going on before you. This isn't an accusation. <clears throat> this is me simply shining the light and showing you that the blood is actually on your hands. And because it's everyone, and this is the real core piece, because it is everyone, no one will be spared the chastisement that's coming. And the sins of the Father are carried down and placed onto the shoulders of the sins of the sons, even to the third and fourth generation. Which means that your children if you happen to be old enough to have children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, it means everybody in your line is going to have to pay for this. If you're of an age right now where you have children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, everyone in your line that's alive is going to have to pay for this. And they're going to have to pay for it, and they will rightly have to pay for this because of your sins, likely the sins of your children and the sins of your grandchildren, and that's the reason why your great-grandchildren will pay for this, even if they are innocent. <clears throat> it's not judgment. It is not condemnation. It is simply a statement of fact. What should happen is everyone who participated in this needs to make rep recompense. Now, am I absolving myself? No. Because I only just started saying no 10 years ago. I was still participating in this thing, in this lie, all the way up until 2012. I was still part of the problem, all the way up until 2012. So to be sure, some of this is actually directly on me. And it included, I mean, for crying out loud, I participated in the World War. Not in the conventional sense. We think of a world war, but I mean, let's be real. You know, the global war on terror, it's in the name. The global war on terror. And so I participated in a world war. I gave my consent for, what? Let's see. From 97 to 2012, when I, can, when I was actually legal to give my consent, what? 15 years? Right about, I gave my consent for 15 years. So I, you know, I obviously, <clears throat> there's, there's a part of, the, obviously I'm on the hook for this too. And I'm not saying, like, I'm saying, this is, these are sins that are crying out to heaven for justice and we have all participated in them. I am saying this so that none of us are surprised when we all pay for them. <clears throat> 
That's what I'm saying. I should not be surprised that I had to pay for my sins. Duh. That's in the natural order. It's perfectly normal. But I'm also saying that when it comes to our nation, you have to understand that everyone in our nation has participated in this crap to some degree or another. Every adult who's a voting member of the public, who's a taxpayer, who's an American citizen, or even a permanent resident or a green card holder or whatever, the people who are here on worker, worker visas, everybody has actually participated in the system and allowed it to carry on. Now, those who are working under the table, they're not technically participating in the system. And while they're committing other crimes, this one is not the same. It's not the same as participating in the system that has denied the vast majority of middle-class Americans of at least two days of their wages out of every single week. Out of a week out of, of their wages from every single month. Of three months, plus or minus, of their wages from every single year. And worse than that, the first day, the first weeks, the first months. Every participant in this system who failed to realize that the government gets their hands on the fruits of your labor before you even have a chance to hand out the first fruits to God, you have not only been denied your wages, you have been denied your capacity to render under, unto God what he deserves. Because he deserves the first fruits. So you were not only had a sin committed against you, but you also participated in a system that allowed God to have a to have a sin committed against him. Well, what can we do about it? Honestly, pray. Pray fast, do penance. Go to confession, receive the sacraments, do fulfill your obligations as a Christian man or woman in line with your state or status in life. Embrace for impact. Because one way or another, it is going to impact all of us. And it's probably not going to do the thing that, it, that we need it to do. It's probably going to cost a lot of innocent lives. And the people who have perpetrated the evil will probably continue, largely get away with it and continue to perpetrate their evil. They may not be able to continue. They may not get away with it to the point where they can carry on like nothing happened. But they will get away with it enough that they don't actually pay for it in this life. And don't fret, because they'll pay for it in the next. Don't worry about it, because they'll pay for it in the next. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It is to God that, that vengeance belongs. And so don't sweat it. But understand that you're going to have to pay part of it. Understand that your children are going to pay for it. Understand that when the dust settles, there very well may there very well may be 150 million or more Americans dead. Actually, physically dead. Because that is that's actually and. By the way, when I say 150 million Americans, 
remember that I also said that 150 million Americans participated in the corruption. We all blithely gave our consent for however many years we gave our consent. So 150 million dead people in America, in a country where habitually every four years, 150 million people participate in the system that continues to deny workers their just wage, that continues to, to deny the sanctity of life. I mean, it's 100, like, in all honesty, if we were to, if we were to run the numbers, if God was actually going to collect our check, collect our debt, our bill, all at once, he would collect our bill for 66 million dead children and 150 million people who were denied just wage, who were not just were denied just wage, actually the 300 million people who were denied just wages and the 150 million people who participated every four years in the continuation of the line. So the real number, if God were going to collect our debt right now, is actually closer to 220 million out of the 350 million people within these United States. If he were to collect the debt all at once, it would be 220 million. It would be almost two-thirds of the country dead in the blink of an eye. That is just recompense for only what I have laid out in this podcast. Only the sins that our nation has participated in that were enumerated right now in the last 42 minutes. And it is distinctively possible that that is the debt he's going to collect. But I suspect that debt will be further because we will also have to pay for the lives that we've taken during the global war on terror and the enactment of the Patriot Act. Everything pretty much from, I don't know, the Iran-Contra affair on. If he were going to collect our debt for everything that this generation was culpable for, you could probably add another three or four million people on top of that. I would not be surprised if 250 million Americans paid with their lives in this chastisement. And if that were the case, God would still be merciful. And I understand that's really, really hard to believe because if he were to collect Let's just say we go to the lower end, to the you know the mid range, right right around two hundred and twenty million. That's two out of every three people on the street. That's two out of every three people in every family. Two out of every three people in every city. For the state of Wyoming, their population goes from 1 million to 333,000. For the city of New York, the city of New York goes from a population of 9 million to 3 million. For a city like Cleveland or maybe Fayetteville, North Carolina, their population goes from two or 300,000 to 100,000. For a small city, like for a small town, like, say, I don't know, um, Lafayette, Indiana, their population goes from 40 or 50,000 to 10 or 12,000. For the, for the city of Estes Park in Colorado, it's a 
ski resort town. I think it's got a population of 30,000 people. It gets reduced to 10,000. For one of those small towns that only has a population of 1,200, they get reduced to 400. Go to a smaller village where maybe the population is only 400 and be reduced to 125 people. 125 people. For the whole of the United States, if we were to if if this punishment actually just hits hits in a more appropriate way, then all of the coastal cities are eradicated. New York, Baltimore, Boston, Washington, Jacksonville, Miami. Eradicated. San Francisco, San Diego, Los Angeles, eradicated. Seattle, eradicated. Portland, eradicated. Chicago, eradicated. If the hand of God were to wipe this out in one year, that's no trains, no planes, <clears throat> no trucks. Let me run that by you again so you fully understand. That means no planes, no trains, and no trucks. That means no shipments of food or sundry items, groceries, mechanical items. It means no, no factory production anymore. You might get lucky, and the reason why 150 million people are wiped out in a year is because the food system actually failed first. Let me say that again so this way you understand exactly how dark what I just said is. If we get lucky, we lose 150 million people because the food systems crash first. Well, if that's if we get lucky, then what does that mean? means if we're really unlucky, that means we end up losing all of those people and then the food systems crash, which means we lose more. If we get lucky, it's 150 million people due to starvation. If we get unlucky, it's 150 million people and then we lose people due to starvation. All of this sounds really dark. Actually, all of these are natural effects. All of these are natural consequences. I haven't even gotten into what God could actually do from a divine smite sort of avenue. I've literally only illustrated the natural things. If we get a divine smite in 150 million, if it's actually fire from the sky and 150 million people are consumed like grass, then we get the starvation. At that point, we stand to lose an additional two-thirds of the people. So 150 million people with only 250, with only 200 million people left. By the way, man, man, women, children, regardless of ethnicity, and we're just talking about the population within the borders. So it might be 200 million American citizens, or it might be 
100 million American citizens with 100 million immigrants. 100 million people who had no business being here in the first place. And if it's the latter, God help us, because then it's a war for resources when there are no trucks, no trains, no airplanes, shipping food, water, <clears throat> resources around the country. It is a war between two, between two equal factions. And that's not going to go the way you think it's going to go. I mean, it'll go in part the way you think it's going to go. Because not all of every, because not all of everybody on both sides is going to be armed sufficient to be able to defend themselves, or armed sufficient to go out on raided raids to try and gain the resources so they can feed their families. And I'm not saying this to frighten you. It's not my intent. If you're listening to this podcast, you should, I should everything I should be saying, it literally should just be, yep, yep, that's basically true. Yep, oh, I kind of disagree with that little piece over here. But, but, you know, for the most part, this basically, you like, for the most part, for this podcast, you should just basically be nodding your head if you're, if you're actually Catholic. You're like, yeah, no, prophecy is pretty clear on that. The St. John's Apocalypse is clear on that. The Book of Daniel is clear on that. The Book of Ezekiel is clear on that. Sacred Scripture is clear on that. Catholic prophecy, Catholic private revelation is clear on that. I'm not saying any, like, I shouldn't be saying anything that should be a surprise. It should just be, oh, yeah, that's actually possible. Oh, yeah, no, that actually makes, it should just be kind of head nodding. This should not be frightening for a Catholic in any way, shape, or form. Our Lady said, the good would not be spared nor the bad. Sacred scripture says the good won't be spared nor the bad. This is this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Should just kind of be like, yep, no, that's actually true. And I shouldn't even have to tell you the thing that should give you hope, because you should already know it. Well, how do we get away? How do we get around it? Well, we may not be able to get around it, but God has told us through his popes and even through these, these private revelations, and has told us in sacred scripture that we can mitigate the cost. We can mitigate the damage. We can mitigate the effect of all of the evil wrought in the world if we pray, if we fast, and if we do penance. If we go to confession, we receive the sacraments. I shouldn't even have to say this. This should be obvious. Now, for if you happen to be a Protestant listening, yeah, this should be terrifying. There's probably, like, I can imagine that at least, and at least some of the people listening to this are going to have a very Protestant or secular response and say, well, I've got my guns. We're going to go ahead and hold, hold this revolution. We can go do this. I got it. And I understand. That's really kind of not the point. The point is, is that, we're, is that there's a lot of talk in social media, in, in, within, within the media and social media, particularly within the Catholic spaces, where we're talking about prophecy being fulfilled. And we're not really understanding the magnitude of what that means. We're not, like, we're bracing ourselves, but we're not. And I'm guilty of this, too. Part of the reason why I'm even putting this, this podcast episode out is so that I can hear myself say the words, millions of people dead. Two out of every three people gone. 
so that I can understand the ramifications of what that means. Being that I live in a town of about 50, 60,000 people, that means 40,000 people dead. That means stores closed. That means the refinery closed. That means food access means I'm going to have to take my happy behind out into the woods and go get it. It means that I need to find a way to actually transport my happy behind out there that may or may not include either A, having a, reserve, a decent reserve of gasoline, access to some sort of ulterior source of gasoline, or the willingness to walk. All of you should actually be making this, and that's assuming God lets me live, because I could be consumed in the ball of fire that, come, that falls from heaven, in which case, I mean, you know, cool, that uh, at least I don't have to solve those problems anymore. <laughs> to die is Christ and to live is gain. You know, I, okay, I'm going to have to figure these things out. All right, great. If I live, I have to figure these things out. If I don't, well, then I don't. And I, and I pray that I died with sufficient, well, sufficient in a state of grace and with sufficient merit. And maybe I don't have to spend a whole lot of time in purgatory. Preferably none. I'd like to be out by that first Saturday. That's a thing? Yes, that's a thing. You might want to look into it. It's attached to the promises of the brown scapula. I don't want to spend, however. We might have another hundred years before the coming of Antichrist. We're literally going to pay for our sins because we deserve to pay for our sins in these United States. And it will probably come to pass to that extremity. Pray that it doesn't go the way of Venezuela or Argentina because, oh my goodness, you have no idea what kind of pain and suffering that's going to be. But if it goes that route, then so be it. We may still have another hundred years before Christ returns or another thousand years before Christ returns. We literally have the chastisement in another thousand years. And if I die in the chastisement and I'm stuck going to purgatory for what I'm in debt for, then probably I'll spend a thousand years in purgatory. Not outside the realm of possibility, to be honest. And I'd like to be out that first Saturday. I just want to get into the kingdom. I know I'll have a thousand years of waiting for the promise and that the promise will be fulfilled and that's great. I honestly would rather skip it. Let's be real. <clears throat> so hopefully there's, there, hopefully there's sufficient merit and sufficient sanctifying grace that, that I die in a state of grace and such that I can, just, that I can actually beat feet to heaven. I would love it. That's really my only concern in, the, in all of the calculus. That's it. Whatever happens, that should be your principal concern. But I do believe, to some degree, we need to understand the bed that we made for ourselves to lay down in. Because a lot can happen between now and Perugia. And God help us if we don't pay for all of our sins in this life. And for those who are not interested in paying for any sins in this life, 
may God convert them and show them the error of what it is they're bringing on themselves. We're coming up on Advent, and it's the perfect time for us to pay attention to these things and actually begin to use this season as a penitential season to try and pay down the debt for ourselves, for the dead, for the holy departed, and for those around us. We should take advantage of it in line with our state and status. Don't go around self-flagellating with, you know, metal spike tip scourges or anything like that. I mean, if, if, if that happens, if you happen to have permission from your spiritual director to do such things, then by all means, you know, add a stripe for me. I will, I will, I will be glad to have that part of my debt paid. But most of you listening to the, if you're honestly, if you're on that level, you're probably not listening to this podcast. As for those of you who are listening to this podcast in line with your state and status, with the approval of your confessor and your spiritual director. That's what we're called to. Prayer, fasting, penance. Do it for the church. Do it for the nation. Do it for all of us idiots who are in Catholic social media and in the Catholic media space so that we all, you know, can hold fast to the course. And as always, I'll be praying for you too. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.